for all my women out there, I just want you to know that you are a boss. Women have to be at the table for technology and innovation. And if not, we'll simply create our own. Don't feel like you shouldn't be a part of the tech space just because there aren't many women in the room. That's exactly why we need you to be there. Girl, don't forget to rep your set in these tech spaces, AKA rep your culture. You are the face of technology and the face of the future. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Women in Tech with Ariana podcast with me, Ariana, as your favorite host. For those of you, it's your first time tuning in. Welcome to an amazing community of women in tech where we talk about the latest news and technology, hear stories from women in tech from all around the world and share tangible resources and tools like access to funding. We give away free materials to help you learn how to code. We talk about job opportunities, conferences of the year that we think you should attend and so much more. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button guys and leave a review in the podcast app or on the website you are using to listen to this episode. This month, guys, is a super special month because it's Women's History Month and the Women in Tech with Ariana podcast has partnered with Manning Publications for our Blazing Trails podcast series. Every week of this month, we are featuring two special guests per week to come on the show and talk about their journey through technology, share advice to our listeners, and of course, we have giveaways for you guys. So every Monday and Wednesday of this month, we are publishing new episodes with some of the most powerful women in technology from around the world. Make sure to share this episode with your friends and tell them to tune in as we celebrate Women for Women's History Month. Hey guys, the Women in Tech with Ariana Blazing Trails podcast series is sponsored by Manning Publications Company. Today, Manning would like to give away five free coupon codes for you to access Chrissy's book, Learn DBA Tools in a Month of Lunches. If you're interested in learning more about DBA tools and how to automate SQL Server with PowerShell and how to navigate the DBA tool module, then this book is perfect for you. Click the link below in the app or the website you're using to listen to this podcast and you will find five free discount codes for you to access a free copy of Chrissy's book or you can go to wildwaytech.com resources and the coupon codes will be right there on our website. Today guys we have a special guest Chrissy Lemaire. Chrissy has over two decades of experience in the tech industry. Chrissy is the creator and maintainer of dbatools.io, an open source platform that automates tasks for thousands of SQL servers at once and allows the migration of an entire SQL server using just the command line. Chrissy is also an automation engineer and the co-founder of realcajunrecipes.com. It's the number one Cajun recipe website in the world. 15 years ago, Chrissy launched the company with a strategic SEO campaign that eventually placed them at the top of the top three search engines for Cajun recipes and Cajun cookbook. Chrissy is the author of the book, Learn DBA Tools in a Month of Lunches. Her book provides a practical hands-on guide to automating SQL Server with PowerShell and the DBA Tools module. Chrissy, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here with us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. In the intro, uh, you had mentioned February, which is my favorite month. Not only is it Women's History Month, Black History Month, and my birthday month, it is also sometimes Mardi Gras month, and that's this month. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday. And when's your birthday? It is on the 7th. It's really, it's the prettiest day of the whole year. Uh, everybody loves February, and like seven is so many people's favorite number. And then I was actually born on Mardi Gras. So, oh, wow. Serendipitous. <laughs> You are a combination of just joy, I just have to say, and celebration, right? Like, that's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> that is so great. Now, Chrissy, can you tell us about where you're originally from and currently based? 
Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in southwest Louisiana in a little town called Kaplan um, in Vermilion Parish, which is known as the most Cajun place on earth. I'm super proud of that. You know, that plus being born on Mardi Gras, whenever people are like, just how Cajun are you? Uh, I cite those two things. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was it was really great experience growing up there. And you'll probably hear it in my in my thick accent. I had actually left for California and I, I lost a bit of my accent, came back to Louisiana, picked it back up. And um, but over the course of time, like three years later, I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. for a job and eventually ended up where I am now which is in Belgium. Amazing. So how's Belgium? I just have to, before I go to my next question, I need to know about how's Belgium. <laughs> Belgium is absolutely incredible. I really love living here. Um, the, the, the food is the best I've ever had. Um, it's like the grocery store food, super fresh. They really focus on flavor instead of beauty. And there's just a huge difference. And then you got the cheeses, you got bread, you got really amazing beer. I totally hated beer till I moved here. Um, so all in all, and it's, you know, it's just a couple hours away from Paris. Um, so really this is one of the coolest places that I've ever lived in my life. And I completely recommend it. That's amazing. So you heard that guys, we got to get Chrissy is our plug for good beer, cheese, and bread. So Chrissy, we'll make sure that you send our, our team some, some good stuff. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Chrissy, let's talk about your journey through technology, starting from your earliest memory, you know, um, when you were exposed, like what was the spark for you to be in the tech industry? I love that you asked about my memory because I don't know why, but in 1987, on like May 14th, I literally like burned it into my brain. I saved this file in DOS and I remember seeing the timestamp of the file and I was like, hey, make a mental note. You've been in computers since 1987. Oh. And so that's that's actually when it started. Um, at the time, uh, our family was one of the first in, in the whole town to have a computer and we didn't have mice yet. There, that was the other family, the LeBlancs. They had some mice and we didn't. We just had a keyboard. Uh, but all the kids in the family were encouraged to play on DOS games and, you know, to kind of get involved. Because if you're playing on DOS, then you have to navigate the file system and things like that. And so it's just been part of my entire life uh, since I was a kid. And uh, surprisingly, even though I was really into computers, uh, whenever I was going to college, people would be like, what are you going for? And I thought that I was going to go to be an x-ray tech. Um, I don't know why it did, didn't occur to me to go for computers. I think I, I highly associated it with math. And I'm not good at math at all. And so I was kind of scared off by that. So, Chrissy, you know, you're the founder of NetNerds. And it's an IT consulting company for small and medium-sized businesses. Can you tell us about the journey launching NetNerds and why you launch and the impact it's made on you, you know, to help prepare you for your professional career today? Totally. Uh, so I've always been a resume builder and something I'd always dreamed of was I wanted to say like I had 10 years of experience on my resume. I don't know. That was just like some goal that I had. And so I wanted to get uh, paid for my services as quickly as possible. And I knew that I was pretty good with computers because like I had a, a, an intense interest in them. Uh, things like you know, configuring TCP IP uh, came easy to me. And 
whenever I was trying to get on the internet around 95, 96, I had built up, you, you get disconnected all the time. Your ISP changes, uh, settings change all the time. So I had a lot of practice. And what I did was I brought that to the small businesses in my hometown, you know, so I just go in and I'd overhear somebody complaining about their network or that they couldn't dial up into the internet. Um, and so I offered my services and uh, probably, I remember sometime, I think in June of 1996, it was about uh, less than a month after I graduated from high school. That was my first paid job. And um, then about like 1997, I decided to formalize NetNerds. I got the domain. So if you do a who is on netnerds.net, it goes all the way back to October 22nd of 1997. Um, and you know, I got my small business license and incorporated, or sorry, did a sole proprietorship, um, and kind of went from there doing a lot of, uh, consulting for businesses in California and Louisiana. What, what I love about it is that, um, NetNerds has always been there for me. You know, if, if, uh, if I'm between jobs, I could always get a contract and I'm especially proud that it helped uh, it helped pay for part of my college. Wow. Um, and it's just I really consider it a part of me. Uh, you know, I've always had the domain and and the business like a, in, anything that I do, you know, if I get paid through AdSense, that's going to go through NetNerds. And that helps me keep track of business expenses and stuff like that. So uh, I, re I really recommend that to anyone who is involved in tech, you know, go and get a small business license from I, I got it from the county that I was in at the time in California. I opened up a business account and then I eventually got um, an EIN number, which is like a employee ID number from the federal government uh, for my tax returns. And, you know, and then I, I do a lot of my business through that. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's good advice. I also would second that notion, guys, like if you, especially if you're in technology, and you know, you love talking to people and sharing about your ideas, starting a consulting company or a service based company is so needed, um, especially if you're in between jobs. That's actually how I launched my um, consulting. Oh tech consulting company yet yeah, Huawei Technologies and, and and the same thing for you like while I'm um you know doing other projects and working on other things I can always get a contract with you know Huawei Technologies right you know so it's it's definitely a good plan and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that for our listeners that's really great advice very cool for you yeah yeah and so Chrissy can you tell us what are some of the services that your IT consulting company um currently does and then maybe some in the past that you have that maybe you um don't currently work on well I I it's very rare that I'll take a contract because because yeah. I don't really need to right now I but like net nerds keeps going because I do have a, a, a lot of residual income that comes in the last project that I did was actually for a family <laughs> And I was like, I don't do this. I don't want to. But my brother was like, please, I really need some WordPress help. Um, but, but, but yeah, so I ended up doing it for him. Um, it was just so much easier for me to, you know, spin up a site and, and get everything going. And I, I told him, I was like, if you want my services, I'm not giving you a family discount. <laughs> and he was like, that's fine. Because I want to be, I don't want to dread doing the work, right? And so if the money's good, I'll be like, oh, at least the money's good. Uh, but prior to that, I actually have a really cool story. Whenever I was first starting with NetNerds back in the 90s, I wanted some project that really brought all of my skills together, right? And what I thought about was creating a fan site for this folk singer named Ani DeFranco. 
Cisco. And what that would do is like, I'd have to set up my web server using Linux and Apache. You know, I'd have to set up a DNS server. I would have to set up a mail server. I'd have to set up like every single part of it and have this kind of holistic, uh, you know, people say a full stack developer. Like I can do the entire stack from, from the ground up. And um, so I was working on that and the site was growing and the community was growing and it was really awesome. I had a whole bunch of friends that we'd all meet up in Southern California, talk about Ani. And then um, eventually I didn't want to do the site anymore and I put it up for auction and Ani's record company reached out and said, yeah, they're like, hey, let let the number get as high as possible. And then we're going to top that. And then we actually want a contract with you so that you can if you can start doing our website. And I was like, that is cool as hell. So I ended up getting to meet, you know, my favorite artist at the time, went to her house, hung out backstage. And that was really, really awesome. So that's actually something else that my small business brought me was, you know, getting that fan experience. It was really incredible. So that is so amazing. Like, and you just did it right like out of passion you're like you know this is my favorite artist this is what i'm going to do and it literally led you to a contract i mean that's that's amazing yeah i needed content and and it, that was the easiest thing to get at the time wow that is that is, now that's a story now also like you have so many like I, doing research on you was such a blast because there's so many different experiences that you have i mean of course i didn't even know about the you know experience with building the fan website for ani your favorite artist however you also built the number one website in the world for cajun recipes with your co-founder brandon um and so i want to know like what's the story behind this you know what has been the growth of the platform since 2002 when you first launched it like walk us through that journey happy to share so i as you know grew up in louisiana and moved out to California because we, I was going to school and the school was like, they were still teaching COBOL and Fortran. And I was like, when are we going to get, you know, some Java, some C++, or I don't know if there was like C at the time. And they're like, you can uh, work with Fortran at this one company in Dallas. And I was like, thanks for preparing me for one company in Dallas. Like, no, thank you. And so I looked around the country And I profiled cities that had cable modems because I desperately wanted a cable modem. And uh, San Diego was one of them. And it was, it was like 10 hours from where my parents lived at the time. And in Phoenix, I think, well, actually it was six hours. So that was close enough. So it kind of put us all on the same coast and moved there and went to like, you know, I was like, oh man, I miss Cajun food. I miss some boudin. I miss some gumbo. I miss some etouffee. Like, let me look up some Cajun restaurants. And every place that I found was absolutely horrible. <laughs> uh, they 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 pronounced things wrong. Like they called, I remember listening to this place called like, I don't know, Cajun Chateau or something. Oh. And they're like, come check out our shrimp affoute. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, that's not even how you say etouffee. So I was all frustrated, right? And then one of my coworkers he was like, ugh, I hate Cajun food. And I was like, oh my God, have you ever had it in Louisiana? And he's like, no, but I I looked at, I had it at a restaurant and then I looked up the recipes and it's all like cayenne and it's too hot and that's not our food at all. Like our food is highly seasoned, uh, but it's not spicy. At least, you know, it, it's not super spicy. It is more spicy than what you're going to get in Ohio. It's true, but it's not like if you 
if you make your food too spicy, then you, you drop the pepper is what we call it. Oh, I dropped the pepper, you know? And, and so it's not something that we aim for. And so when I was looking around the net and all of the recipes, it's true. They were all paprika, all cayenne. And I wanted to bring like our real Cajun recipes from actual Cajuns who grew up in Cajun country, which by the way, does not include New Orleans. Like New Orleans had a bigger budget. And so they told the world that they were Cajun, but Cajuns are primarily from a 22 parish region of Louisiana called Acadiana. And that's us. That's where we grew up. And so my best friend, he is also a web developer. He is also a database developer, and he's also passionate about Cajun cooking. I was like, dude, let's do this together and get like get our good name back. Yeah. And that's where we came up with Real Cajun Recipes. And we launched in 2002. And in 2004, I was work like I, you know, Google Gmail had come out, and I was like super into Google at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was super into Google at the time, and, and that's whenever I started exploring SEO. And I really wanted to dethrone the, the the websites that were that were big at the time because they were not real Cajun recipes. I wanted authentic recipes to be at the top. So I really worked towards that. And that's whenever I was super proud. We, we were number one for, I think that we might actually still be number one for Cajun cookbook, but we're number one for Cajun cookbook. We're number one for Cajun recipes on Google, on Bing, on Yahoo. Um, but later on down the road, something that I never want to do is get into black hat or even gray hat SEO. And unfortunately, if you don't do that, if you don't get involved with anything other than white hat, yeah. SEO, your your site will pay a price. And yeah. so we're no longer number one, uh, but we do have 165,000 followers on Facebook and we drive a lot of traffic through there. And, uh, and we recently expanded to Amazon. For years, we had a we had a physical cookbook sold. It sold pretty well, but there was a lot of manual labor involved because we had to, you know, we had to pre-order them and then we had to bring them to the post office and send them to people individually. And that just became and, you know, actually the cost of paper went up and it turned out that we were making just next to nothing because for for 15 years, we never raised the price of the cookbook. Um, and so we stopped making it, but people kept asking, we were like, all right, we have to do this. We have to raise the price and we have to get this manual labor off of us. So we, we, uh, we put out some, some cookbooks. We put out our first original cookbook on Amazon and that's selling really well. And then also, um, we have these themed cookbooks. So the first one was Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And we are actually about to launch our Mardi Gras cookbook uh, oh, in about awesome. a week. Oh, oh, that, that is amazing. amazing. Okay, okay, yeah. So, so we'll, we'll make sure that we tag all of the cookbooks, all of the links um, for those people who are listening and tuning in and, you know, want to cook up some good Cajun recipes. Chrissy, thank you for sharing that. That is, like, absolutely amazing. And what, what I, love I love is, like, you, again, like, this came, again, like, another story of, you know, a project that came out of this passion and wanted to prove to people that, you know, Cajun food is awesome. And then you even found a way to, like, really, truly monetize, right? So you could have easily just put up recipes and, you know, people can, you know, get great Cajun recipes and stuff off the website, but also you find a way to monetize by, you know, selling this book and not even, you know, launching and putting it on Amazon. And then from there, looking at different themes, I love how you, your business mindset is great. So I hope that this inspiration 
inspiration for people who are listening to this podcast because maybe you have an idea that you think is just a passion project, but maybe it can be, you know, turn into a good like side business. Totally. And, and also, um, I do want to talk about the monetization. At first, I was really opposed to it, but then I was paying out of pocket for like, what I would do is I would literally co-locate my servers at a data center and it could get really expensive. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll put on a, a few, you know, Google AdSense things. And that actually paid the bills for a while. But recently we actually switched to a company called Ezoic and they do some really amazing things. You do have to get at least, I think, 10,000 viewers a month. Yeah, that really helped us monetize even further in 2019, we had 1.6 million sessions from, uh, yeah, from the community. And so this is something that I would really like to have enough residual income, you know, to, to retire if I want, like, you know, live a, a modest life. And we do have to split it between two people, but it is something that's on my radar as a potential. That is awesome. That is, that's so great. And the fact that you're even looking at that, right, like as a potential way to retire and get this residual income means that you're going to eventually you're going to accomplish those goals. So that's Chrissy. Oh, that's right. really amazing. Um, again, like what my favorite thing about your story is that there's so many different aspects to it. And so now let's switch over to uh, more of your corporate experience. So you are currently an automation engineer. Um, can you tell our listeners about your role and the toughest problems that you and your team have had to solve? Yeah, so my my role is I am an automation engineer. Whenever I first started, um, I was a SQL Server DBA. But, you know, what's really nice about being the lone SQL DBA is that people are like, yeah, look, solve your problems however you want, right? There's no set agenda by someone else who's like, well, I like Century One. And then another person's like, well, I like Redgate. So I went in there and I've always wanted the tools, like I've always wanted open source tools to help me do my job. Uh, if you remember when I was talking about NetNerds and I was talking about creating that that server for Ani way back in the 90s, that was done using open source software. And so I've always wanted something like that at work uh, to help manage things. And so I kind of created the ability to, to do my job with open source or with the technology that I wanted to use and specifically with PowerShell. And the, the biggest challenge I think is when you work in a highly secured environment, the way that I do, you, you're, you ought, there's a huge focus on security. And to address that challenge, I actually use PowerShell at length to automate all of the tasks that I would usually have to do manually, right? So when you create a SQL server, you can't just put it into production and just like right out the box, right? I can't install, hit next, 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 and then put it out. I have to do, a, I have to check 163 boxes before that can go into production. And, you know, I took that manual process and automated um, almost every single step of it. And that's something actually that um, it's a project that I do for work. It's a project that I do for pleasure. And when I'm at home, I actually go on twitch.tv uh-huh. And I live stream the creation of that module and that automation there. This is the second time that I'm doing the automation because the first time it wasn't like generalized, but I want this tool to be, you know, that I, I want access to it and be able to use it no matter where I go. So it does have to be created in a, you know, generalized universal format. And then it, it benefits the entire world because it helps secure SQL server around the world with just a few steps. If you can get 
those steps down to minimal numbers, then people don't dread them. If you make things easier, then people will be more prone to do them. Yeah, for sure. So, and now let's talk about that, right? So you are the creator and maintainer of dbatools.io. And so can you explain to our listeners about how this technology works and, you know, how it's useful in real world applications? All right. So it actually started from a real world project, which is I was tasked to migrate a a SQL server instance for a SharePoint form and SharePoint creates like a ton of databases, right? So if you have to migrate from an old server to a new server, there are so many steps that you have to take and even more so because you have so many databases to deal with. And whenever I was, when I was asked to do this, I was like, well, now that I know PowerShell, I'm sure that there's some PowerShell solution for all of this. But everything that I found was created with static paths. So it wasn't universal. It wasn't generic. It was very cumbersome to do. And basically I, I created, um, DBA tools as a way to help manage migrate entire instances that includes like backing up and restoring or, or detaching and reattaching every single database, every single login with the passwords, with all of their properties, their default database, default languages, all of their settings. Um, Same goes for like almost every other aspect of SQL Server as well, like the, the scheduler, like the job scheduler. And yeah, so I took that and I packaged it up and I, and now like instead of dreading a migration, it is super fun because the other day when I had to perform one, I just executed a single command And I didn't have to like click next, 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 you know, like right click, export, export, export. I didn't have to do any of that. PowerShell does it all for me. So I executed that command and I knew that it would take like an hour and a half to do its thing. And I just went to the store. I grabbed some food and then I tweeted about it. I'm like, the the (laughs) awesomest thing about this migration is that I was able to stop by the store and pick up dinner. And that's how easy Mm -hmm. DBA tools makes uh, managing and working with SQL Server. It's just, it it takes all the boring, mundane tasks and make them super, first, fun to program, but second, like just easy for an end user to execute a single command to take over and do all of that for them. You know, efficiency is everything, right? Especially when you're working on big projects. And so, you know, even after you created DBA Tools at IO, you eventually you wrote a book, right? So you're the author of the book, Learn DBA Tools in a Month of Lunches. You know, a book that provides, you know, practical hands-on guide and, you know, to automating SQL Server with PowerShell. You know, so tell us about, you know, how your book is helpful to software developers and, you know, those who are listening to this show. So my book, well, first I, I do want to say this is a, I'm co-authoring it with another automation engineer within the SQL Server community. His name is Rob Sewell. And what's really cool about the book is that, you know, and, and actually what's cool about DBA tools in general is this project has um, 180 community contributors. And basically that means that, you know, I have my own expertise, but other people have their expertise that they can contribute to the project. And in a similar vein, there are things that, that Rob is better at that he is contributing to the book. Um, but we, we don't necessarily direct the or we don't necessarily address software developers. However, 
because it's made for like uh, for SQL Server DBAs primarily. But I can say this, that we had some reviewers because the, the way that Manning's process works is you get reviewers early on. And what was really, really exciting for us is that we had SQL people that said, oh, wow, like this really taught me how to work with PowerShell. And we had we had PowerShell people that said this is a great introduction to SQL. And so I think that it has a little bit for everybody, even though it may not be targeted to everyone. And I, I do also want to say that the book is um, so you could go to dbatools.io slash book and it'll send you to Manning's website. The publisher Manning, they have something called Manning's Early Access Program. So you get to read the book while it's written. And that's the that's where we are now is we are writing the book and releasing it to the public over time. That is awesome. And you guys, the links that Chrissy has talked about, I will have them immediately below um, in the podcast details, or you can also go directly to the link and you know, you'll be able to click on that and have access to exactly what Chrissy is talking about. Now, Chrissy, you have experience in the corporate world, right? You have experience as a co-founder of multiple different companies and also an engineer, how do you navigate the tech industry as a woman in a male-dominated field, right? And what advice do you have for women in tech out there? I actually uh, addressed this in a, in a podcast that I did earlier this week where uh, a SQL Server DBA reached out and um, and she wanted help with what, what the, the podcast owner said called a boys club. And what I told her, um, almost verbatim, is that sometimes things suck. You know, I've, I've had to deal with homophobia and sexism at work, as well as within our community. There's this dude, Jeff Vouters, former PowerShell MVP. He called me a secretary in the speaker's room at a super large PowerShell conference. Wow. And that sucked. It yeah. was It was demoralizing. But it was just one person in a community of great people. So for me, I try not to look at it as a boys club. I look at it as a technologist club. And sometimes there are assholes within my club. So what I try to do is focus on first, the good people. And second, what I have in common with these good people that are different from me. And the thing that I have in common with everyone in the room is that we all probably love technology. And, you know, we have all of these common goals for the organization and everyone, you know, they want their project to succeed. They want their employer to succeed or their workplace to succeed. So I focus and build on that. Um, but I also do read some articles that are written about how women speak. You know, like I grew up in the South and I was taught a whole bunch of behaviors that don't pay off professionally. So just like I'm currently trying to remove the casual use of the, the word guys to address a room or an audience, I also uh, try to remove the word just out of my vocabulary because it, we often use it in a minimizing way. So basically my answer, you know, is doing that, looking at it, given that, that different perspective, but also practice. Uh, and do yoga. That helps a lot too. You know what's crazy? I literally just signed up for yoga this month. So I, so we're, yeah. So we're on one accord. You gave some good advice. And I love like how you even changed the word, the words. And you were like, you know, no, this is a technologist club. And sometimes there are assholes in my, in my, but the key part was when you said in my club and 
I, I just love that because as women, you're right. We so often, even in our language, we automatically default that it is the man's club, right? So when we go into these spaces, it's already in our mind when really we should be like, no, this like I'm a part of this too. It's not abnormal for me to understand what PowerShell is and what's a DBA tool, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I just love, there was so much power in what you said and you challenged me. So now my words and all my intros uh, to the podcast, all that has to be changed. No, I'm serious. No, 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 I'm serious because it's... <laughs> Yeah. No, don't apologize for inspiring change. Right. Like all like what we say reflects how we feel and how we feel reflects what we do. Right. And I want my actions to speak louder than words and I want people to be inspired by them. So I, I'm what you said there just really it, it hit me home. So I got a lot to think about today, Chrissy. So I appreciate you. Now, yeah. So now, Chrissy, we're at our last question. You know, what is one thing in your life right now that you're excited or passionate about? And it doesn't even have to be related to technology. Um, if you know me, I am excited about everything. <laughs> I, love, I love, but I, I do have some obsessions and I, and, and I accept that they go in phases, right? So I was in, back in November, I was obsessed about cooking every, every weekend and doing live streams for Cajun cooking. But my current obsession is Twitch and live streaming uh, as much as possible. I just got a third monitor and I'm and I'm super excited about that. And then I'm 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 like almost dreading even though I'm about to go on a really awesome trip to London, which we barely get to go go to. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to put that on the back burner. But fortunately I know that the moment I get on the train, I'm just gonna let it all go and we'll go and party. And so yeah, that's currently my obsession is uh is live streaming on twitch.tv slash DBA tools. Awesome. So we will make sure that we plug uh, your Twitch account immediately below in the podcast details. So you guys make sure you go follow Chrissy on all of her social media. Click all of the links below um, so that you can stay up to date on all the cool projects she's working on. Chrissy, you have been just like an absolute blast. And I just appreciate you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. You guys, don't forget to hit subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Let us know about how you like the podcast. What can we do better? And who do you want to see on the show? Again, it's your girl, Ariana, signing out. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.